0: From the Santa Inez Valley, it's the IGN Digigods. Please welcome two men who are not drinking Merlot, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Me, I'm, I'm actually just focused on World Cup right now, but I always appreciate a good Alexander Payne sideways reference. Corey... Who sent that one in? That was written by Jason Croons, who's making a reference to that movie about drinking that I have a DVD of that I watched before. <laughs> Sideways? <laughs> <Yeah>. Sideways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Corey. Uh, Corey makes me laugh. He's the Coriest. He is.
1: Wade, uh, we have uh, the surprise creative hit of the year.
0: Yeah, we do. Who
1: would have thunk it?
0: We, we do. I would guys, have thought that
1: this movie would they, be great.
0: They are such interesting directors. They really do. they are. And I didn't see this in, uh, when it when it uh, played theatrically. So it's it, nice to catch up with it on uh, on Blue.
1: What are we talking about? You'll find
0: out. Oh, you will. Yes, you will. But first, we are going to talk about documentaries so boring they will put you to sleep. Oh, actually, really? No, not really. Well, actually, we got a few documentaries. It's probably worth uh, making a quick mention of a few of them just right out right from the outset. Uh, Pandora's Promise Did you see this Mark?
1: I did not It's not bad
0: I mean it's kind of dry But it's, it's interesting Whenever you have a documentary That's really dry It's always interesting to As long as it's an interesting subject uh, It's not good No the, um, uh, the whole, This is the whole idea Of um, uh, nuclear power And whether or not You know The promise of nuclear power Is really worth uh, Things like the You know Fukushima plant And all that kind of stuff so um, it's interesting it, it talks to a lot of people who have um, Who actually are They've gone you know from being anti-nuclear to pro-nuclear Believe it or not hmm. It's very interesting I, uh, I don't know that it actually reaches any kind of a, a great conclusion or anything But it certainly it, it pokes your brain a little bit And uh, it's good Robert Stone who directed it uh, Good guy Good guy um, nothing illuminating there. But uh, this one, as long as we're on environmental uh, docs, Frack Nation. Uh, you know, everybody keeps talking about fracking. I'll be honest with you. I I thought it was a reference to Battlestar Galactica for the longest time.
1: Yeah, I still don't know what fracking is. It's like with oil and they. Break it's out, like shale.
0: Know. It's like they basically pulverize the crap out of the shale to get oil out of it. And uh, oh, why is that bad? Well, because a lot of people. They, they well, there's a whole a whole litany of reasons why it's bad. So some people say. Um, but it's like, you know, hi- fracking is short for fracturing, as in like hydraulic fracturing, right? It's like bam, bam, bam. Um, so like, it's got, like, like bam, bam. Exactly, uh, like <laughs> Flintstones, exactly. <laughs> uh, so you, you're, you're basically um, just pummeling like all kinds of liquid and fluid and, and really intense pressure, and you're, you're, you know, breaking up the shale and uh, getting the gas out. And I don't really understand the process all that much. But uh, what they what they, the the issues have to do with a number of things seismic issues in other words whether or not you're you're causing instability in the Earth's crust and along fault lines and stuff uh, possibly contaminating groundwater and you know a whole bunch of other issues so obviously stuff on either either side um, but this is called Frack Nation and this is um, a, a rather thorough and methodical look at uh, how it all shakes out, and who's lying, and who's exaggerating, and who's not, and who has, you know, ulterior motives, and again, I don't know that I came away from this feeling like I had, uh, I'd finally gotten a grip on the subject, but I, at least I, I know that it has nothing to do with Battlestar Galactica anymore, and I, f- and I think that's important. A uh, bunch of cool titles, too, from First Run Features, who uh, have their cool little eco-packaging and their little tiny sleeves. Uh, James Thurber, The Life and Hard Times. You probably know who James Thurber is, don't you? He's an author, among other things, a uh, famous humorist, well known. I mean, he you know, wrote the uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the original short story. Uh, did cartoons for the New Yorker. Um, anyway, this is a documentary on uh, his life, narrated by George Plimpton, uh, and uh, it's lovely. He, uh, you know, you you develop. He's definitely a, a New Yorkery guy. Uh, he, he sort of defines the Renaissance man that they, the, the magazine appeals to. Uh, Top Hat and Tails, Harold Ross and the Making of the New Yorker, by the same director, Adam Van Doren, is kind of a, a companion piece. Uh, the previous one obviously narrated by George Plimpton. This one's narrated by Stanley Tucci. Very appropriate. Plimpton is much more of a Thurbery kind of guy. Tucci gets inside Harold Ross, who's... Uh, it was much more of a force of nature and uh, this is obviously much more about the you know the, the business background and how it was all put together and uh, also very very interesting uh you forget what a really extraordinary effort the new yorker was and still is i mean it's a it, it it i don't think the new yorker has suffered a single bit in the whole publishing meltdown has it
1: you know i used to uh subscribe to the new yorker on my ipad yeah and i uh, canceled it you know why? Why? Because I can't keep up with them. It's every week, and the whole magazine, which by I mean I, who, we all every essay
0: is seventy five thousand words.
1: Set, you know what? I can't sit there and listen to, and read a seventy five thousand word essay on some woman's like summer in the and summer in New England. <laughs> and that's all it is. I know. I can't. I mean, I love the New Yorker. I yeah. you know Anthony Lane is one of my favorite film critics. I love reading that guy. That guy's great. He's great you know he and really Seymour Hirsch does some interesting work at the New Yorker so yeah. I mean it's great and Woody Allen will sometimes come up with an essay in the New Yorker yeah. I mean it's, it's the New Yorker but
0: isn't that sad that we're so busy now wasn't isn't technology supposed to wasn't it supposed to unleash our free time like robots are doing everything so I can sit down and read this, the New Yorker this
1: I'm holding in my hand now yeah. is my free time yeah in my hand no no not that <laughs> yeah free time this is what I'm holding what am I holding in my hand Wade a Kindle Yeah, I love yeah. my Kindle Here's what I have in my Kindle now, Wade.
0: Uh-huh. This is
1: what I have. Um, That's what I'm reading now. You ready? Yeah. I am reading right now Ray Bradbury's short stories. Good. All uh, right. Chosen by Bradbury himself. Sure. I just downloaded Elmore Leonard. Swag. Yeah. You know, I'm, sure. I've read, uh, I've read oh a few more Leonard novels. I read The Talented Mr. Ripley, uh-huh. Patricia Highsmith, the original. Yeah. I read Gone Girl, which is uh, David Fincher's new film. Mm-hmm. I have read the book. I've never so pretty much I know how the film ends. Fantastic, good for me. I have read Twelve Years a Slave, uh huh, the Solomon Northup, which is amazing, um, and I've got other stuff too. I've got the Oscar Wilde collection, I have got the Mark Twain collection, and uh, it's great. Kindle rules. The end. Un, 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 good. Un, un, unequivocal. Kindle rules. I have never read so much in my life.
0: And just a few other docs here, real quickly, uh, as you I you go ahead and I ignore Mark I and his his Kindle. Uh, Kindle should be kindling. Paul Bowles. The cage door is always open. Uh, Before Bowles died, he left a lot of interviews and uh, this uh, kind of folds those in with a lot of uh, thoughts and interviews with people who knew him and worked with him, including Bernardo Bertolucci. Remember Bertolucci did The Sheltering Sky based on a Bowles novel? And, uh, you know, Gore Vidal, John Waters, uh, William Burroughs, on and on and on and on. He's one of those kind of, uh, you know, Twitty Renaissance-y writers from that generation who um, just lived a legendary life. And this gets into the work and the life and all that stuff, and it is very workmanlike, it's very solid. Uh, again, doesn't really transcend the, what you would expect it to be, but it is exactly what you would expect it to be. So well done by Daniel Young, but uh, you know, not not exactly groundbreaking work. Uh, Peter Brook, always interesting to uh, see what he does. Simon Brook uh, made the documentary about Peter Brook called *The Tightrope*, and um, it's essentially a masterclass with uh, with Peter Brook. And to, looking at how he directs theater, his whole philosophy of, uh, you know, working with actors and staging, et cetera, et cetera. And it centers mainly on a particular uh, technique that he calls the tightrope, which uh, you, it, when you watch this, you will understand and it will make sense. So um, his son, you know, got, just decided he would film his dad do go elaborating on all of these very particular theoretical approaches to uh, techniques and this one in particular. And uh, it's, it's good. Uh, Peter Brook, I, I think, is one of the more underrated directors, not just in theater, but in film. I keep talking about this. I wish, even though you can see the whole thing on YouTube, I really wish they would do a Blu-ray of his King Lear, which I think is just, uh, Paul Schofield is amazing. The black and white photography is stark and Really disturbing. The sound design is 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 equally eerie. I think it's a great film, and you can see it on YouTube free. But I want it on Blu-ray. And then from the Athena line, the Acorn Athena line is um, Alexander's Lost World, which is uh, a journey with David Adams, who is a journalist and a war correspondent. Uh, this is essentially a, a journey through the lands that Alexander the Great once conquered and occupied, etc etc. It is an elaborate series uh, it is it 's like it 's over four hours long easily and um, it is it is uh, it asks a lot of very very interesting and provocative questions, includes a lot of great educational material and especially considering how all of those lands are still at the center of all of our current uh, global disputes and, and, and all of that, it really is interesting to uh, kind of venture into this and uh, poke that part of your brain. So I think Alexander's Lost World is a pretty, particularly great title. And then lastly, Tim's Vermeer, a Penn & Teller film, which uh, was one of my favorite documentaries of last year. I gave a push with our, our L.A. film critic voting to have people consider this. I don't think anybody saw this. Uh, they sent us a bunch of copies of this. Did you have a chance to watch Tim's Vermeer? Uh, yeah, it's very good. It's really good, man. It's really good. Anything that Penn and Taylor have anything to do with, I just think is awesome. Uh, but anyway, this uh, this is basically an approach to um, the uh, uh, basically how Vermeer managed to be so insanely detailed with his uh, with his painting, and it uh, it's a uh, it's a rather interesting scientific investigation by this guy named Tim Jennison, uh, who is a, an inventor from Texas who decides to uh, basically spend years and years and years to try to unravel the mystery of what he thinks is, you know, Vermeer's painting. There is a commentary here, which is both uh, insightful and incredibly funny on, on some very, very subtle levels. Deleted in alternate sequences and um, a Q&A from the Toronto Film Festival when the thing premiered. This is a, a Blu-ray and DVD combo set from Sony Pictures Classics. And I think, uh, if not the best doc of last year, certainly in the, in the top five.
1: Wait, let's talk about the uh, surprise creative success of 2014, the Lego movie.
0: Man, did I just have no desire to see this thing on the, from the outset. I just you know thought, what? Nobody really?
1: did. We all we were all like, "You are you are you asking me?"
0: But you know what? These guys are the real deal, man. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs kind of put them on the map. For uh, Lord Christopher Miller. And and uh, I love Twenty Two Jump Street. I, know. I love Twenty Two Jump Street. It is hysterical. It is right up there with Tropic Thunder and Team America for me.
1: Now we don't get this. The bizarre part is that these guys are supposedly signed to do Alvin and the Chipmunks Four. Now, if they do. For Alvin and the Chipmunks, what they did with Lego Movie, I mean, it'll be literally like the achievement of the century.
0: And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you another movie that, that goes in line with that. If they, if they manage to work that same kind of satirical, very wry, just backhanded uh, satire, they, you know what else did that? And, and I didn't like the first Gremlins at all. I think the first Gremlins is stupid. The Chris, but Gremlins 2 is a wicked satire. I mean, it is a wicked, wicked satire. And I think it's totally underrated. I think if people watch Gremlins 2 again today, man, that movie is funny.
1: And that's bold, you know, because nowadays, if you you make a sequel, it has to be just like the original.
0: I mean, do you you remember Gremlins 2 when they take over the theater? Yeah. And you have the the, the Siskel and Ebert gremlins doing their little... Oh, come on, man. I mean, it's been a lot of years, but I remember it vaguely, yeah. Genius. That was genius. Anyway, Lego movie unbelievable how, how this actually works I just it's astonishing to me it's just breathtaking
1: because it's it's, uh, it's funny it is it, you know what it's, it, it packs in a lot of gags it's visually you know what's funny is that uh, I saw there was an episode of The Simpsons a couple of months ago yep almost the entire episode was made of Legos Marge was Lego. oh I remember that it's completely not funny it's almost yeah. as if they 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 wrote it they really backed away from the humor went out of show. their way well, no, what they did was, instead of embracing Legos and everything it brings to it, yeah. they really kind of like... It was almost like they were scared to write anything too satirical or funny or make the laughs come too quickly because then they'd have to figure out how to animate it with Legos. You know, the the fact that it was a Lego episode really stunted their creativity. But here, these guys, they take the whole Lego thing and they just run wild with it.
0: They do. Absolutely wild. You also got a little figurine here, a little... Uh vitruvius lego minifigurine and it's a it's a nice big bold plastic set that you know is just screams at you you can't miss this one a little bonus 3d movie extras that just gobs and gobs of extras uh it's really fun it's really fun so uh that that is the shocker of the year and how they managed to do that and 22 jump street uh literally within like the same 12 month period i don't understand but they they nailed it man
1: they sure did. Uh here's a surprise, a kind of a charming little movie called Rob the Mob. Rob the Mob is a um it is a movie about these uh boyfriend-girlfriend played by uh, Michael Pitt and Nina Arianda and uh they get arrested for robbing a florist on Valentine's Day. They get uh, sprung from the pokey and uh they try to get their life straight and of course all sorts of craziness ensues. And that craziness includes uh, appearances by Ray Romano and Andy Garcia. And, uh, you know, i got to say, I, this thing seemed like a big nothing to me. Who, baby?
0: Huh? Who, baby?
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, you know what? It's, it's, it's a very deft balance between uh, comedy and drama. Uh, the Lees, I don't, you know, I'm not that, I mean, Michael Pitt, I know the name, not that familiar with them. Uh, Nina Arianda, I don't know who that is at all. But they're pretty charming together. It's got a lot of atmosphere. Um, it's it's got got a couple laughs. It's uh, it's really not bad. It's really not bad. It's a pleasant surprise. Rob the mob. Check it out.
0: So Neil uh. Neil Labute has been all over the map uh, in his career, and some of the films have been good, some are not so good. Why you would do the like the remake of The Wicker Man and crazy stuff, but uh, some Velvet Morning, written and directed by Neil Labute, as he should do all of his films, is back in style. Um, Really good. Yeah. Per- me, My goodness, really good performances from Stanley Tucci and Alice Eve in what is very much like classic Neil Butte stuff—a a hard-hitting play translated into a film. That's what this feels like. Uh, Stanley Tucci's a guy They used to have they, You know, These two were lovers Once had an affair He claims he's left his wife They haven't seen each other For four years And uh, th- But things do not Necessarily Get started again With the same Verve That he was perhaps expecting And uh, it, it, it takes in, It goes into Some dark directions Some dark Obsessive directions And uh, Quite well put together Not one of the best films Of last year But definitely Kind of a return to form and uh, I'll tell you, Alice Eve, not somebody that I've really necessarily had my eye on, uh, but, uh, you know, when, you, when you're acting opposite Stanley Tucci, pretty great. And he, he forces everyone to just elevate their game.
1: Speaking pretty great, Wade, let's do a Criterion.
0: Do it. The Beatles, Hard Day's Night. Oh, yeah, baby.
1: This is good stuff from and, 1964. And minutes. we
0: should point out this is being uh, released theatrically, concurrent with the Criterion release. There is, you know, this, this is working its way around the country. So uh, don't be surprised if uh, you suddenly see Hard Day's Night show up on a screen near you. And even if you have this, even if you go out and get the Criterion Blu-ray, you, you, you should see this projected. It's a great movie to see projected, especially with a crowded audience. It's a lot of fun.
1: And, you know, we don't really have musical artists like the Beatles anymore because, you know, when the Beatles first hit in 1964... U A. Yeah, they wanted to do a Beatles movie before the fad went away because yeah. who, who knew how long it was going to. I mean, frankly, the Beatles were d- d- done by nineteen seventy, so it was like a, it was like a half a million dollar budget. They hired an American, Richard Lester, yep. who was you know who would later be named the father of the music video thanks to films like this, yep. and they shot this movie. And you know what? The movie captures the energy and youth of the band. It wound up being released within months of, of being shot. They wanted yep. to rush this thing out, and uh, it's fun. It's a really fun film. It's uh, got a lot of great music. It's got a lot of great attitude. It just, it just shows the boys uh, being real and being musical and just shows that, they, that all four of them, some more than others, but all four of them have some uh, musical and uh, have some movie presence. you know. And so it's great. The Criterion, of course, knocks it out of the park. Uh, it's a 4K digital restoration. Um, it's got all sorts of extras. 2002 documentary about the film, with, which features Lester... And George Martin. And George Martin, their producer, who's still around.
0: He Amazing. Will,
1: he will talk about the Beatles all day long. That's all I he know. does. Like his job at this point, because who it's, knows how he is. He's talking talk about, about the Beatles. Beatles. Um, and it's great. It's, it's, it's a must-buy. It's got a great booklet. It's got great music. It's got great extras. Hard Day's Night. It looks beautiful. It's all in uh, beautiful black and white. Low-budge black and white. Grainy black and white. But still good looking. It's, it's, it's consistent and respectful to the original print. Because, again, this yep. is like you know 60 years ago, so it's going to look a little grainy, and that's okay. Low budge, black and white, old. It should look grainy, and it does look grainy. So it's just a lot of madcap clowning and uh, crazy, inventive, mockumentary-type jokes in a hard day's night. You guys got to get it. Criterion. Sweet. You, you could give this to me if you wanted to.
0: You wish. So, uh, Guillaume Canet. Mark, why do we hate Guillaume Canet? Because you know he why makes we...
1: four-hour thrillers.
0: No, 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 no. Guillaume Canet. We, we hate him for a very particular reason.
1: Because he's related to Robert Guillaume from Benson?
0: Oh, my gosh. Why do I do that? Why? why? Tell me
1: Guillaume Canet does not make four-hour thrillers. That are great, by the way, but they're like four hours.
0: But No, Guillaume Canet. Here's the reason we hate him. Um, because uh, the, you and I sat next to his betrothed at a Lafka at dinner once.
1: We did Oh, uh, uh, Marion Cotillard, Cotillard. No yes. I sat next to her You were like At some other table <laughs> No I sat ne- I sat right next to her And this is before She was kind of Marion Cotillard so,
0: That's why we hate him Because no. he Because he, he got Marion Cotillard
1: Well no he, No but here's the thing No 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 Hang on for a second Yeah right. Okay Before Marion Cotillard Was really Marion Cotillard Yes And we gave her Best actress Her Olivia and Rose Which she would later Win an Oscar for Yes She sat next to me At the dinner. mm mm-hmm. dinner And you were there Somewhere who knows where Yes So I'm talking to her She's very sweet and everybody else at the table were kind of these Euro douchebags.
0: Oh she, my god. That, that she had come with. Well, it's it's and it, it was very disappointing. The film's director. That was yes, yeah. Who just did the the disastrous can opener? Um, the Princess Grace That's movie. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He, he 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 tanked that one. Boy, was that a shanker! So
1: Mary made Cotillard, Harvey made
0: Harvey look like a genius.
1: So Mary Cotillard. Yeah, beautiful, very nice, very shy. Couldn't believe all this was happening mm-hmm. to her. Talking to her very nice. It's me, Marion, you were somewhere. Yeah. And like eight other Euro douchebags that make me go, you know what? A, I have no chance with this woman now because she obviously likes Euro douchebags. Uh, as, as literally, she could like eight clones of me and I still wouldn't get her. Yeah. So it's not like I ever had a chance. Yeah. But when I saw the eight Euro douchebags, I thought, you know what? I have no chance. And it was just disappointing that somebody that sweet and that nice would be interested in Euro douchebags.
0: Well... Guillaume Canet uh, just directed a, a, the English-language film *Blood Ties*, which he co-wrote, by the way, with James Gray, who just directed Marion Cotillard in *The Immigrant*. So there's the which whole list.
1: Which I I really, really wanted to see.
0: Um, yeah, I still have to. I still have to catch up with it, which makes me feel bad because I, have you know, I've known James for as long as I've known everybody from that little clique. Um, that goes all back to the, the Matt Reeves thing, you know. That's Matt Reeves was in film school with James Grey so was Brian Burke that's how I met James Grey you know this did I ever tell you the story have uh, I ever told the story on the show I don't know I first met James Grey here we go now, well,
1: James Grey who directed uh, The Grey d- 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 no 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 uh, not, not, not The, the Grey gray. The, the, who directed oh, little, little, uh, Odessa little Odessa and
0: a million other things We Own the Night anyway uh, which is very much like Blood Ties, I should point out. He co-wrote this. It's based on... Uh, let me just cover this first, and then I'll get into this. So uh, there's a, the, the, the movie uh, Blood Ties is originally a French film by Jacques Maillot. Guillaume Canet and James, C- James Gray wrote the script. Can- Canet directed it. It's basically set in the 70s. Uh, Clive Owen and Billy Crudup are brothers on the wrong side of the law, right? You know, uh, uh, Clive Owen is the, is the ex-con. His younger brother is uh, Billy Crudup, who's a cop. And, you know, one gets out of prison and then he can't stay straight and you wind up with the, you know, brothers facing off thing and, you know, the, the, in the, the, the hair and leather and high heel era of the 1970s. And it's, it, I don't think it works as well as it probably could, partly because we've seen this before. But, um, you know what, I, it, it's got a really good cast and mostly sustains it. Matthias Schonertz is in this movie and I always enjoy him. Uh, he's the guy from, uh, from Bullhead, the uh, the Belgian film. James Kahn, always great Mila Kunis surprisingly good Zoe Saldana surprisingly good and of course Marianne Cotillard does show up in here as well um, I think it would be uh, you know uh, stupid not to if you, if you can bring her in here but really it's Clive Owen and Billy Crudup who own the movie they own the movie and they do a great job Clive Owen can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned so anyway it's worth checking out I, I'd hoped for a better film but it's certainly I think it's still very very solid uh, this is a blu-ray and ultraviolet combo set and now I'm going to tell you when I first met James Gray okay yeah,
1: give it a little James Gray. Okay, it's the Yards. I didn't mean the Gray man. Yeah, the yards, yards, sure. Two
0: lovers with Joaquin Phoenix. Very good. Oh, great film. That's right, great film.
1: So James Gray, he has yet to have his like his, his hopefully the immigrant is it his super breakout. Give him a couple of Oscars. James, is, James, he's, is a, he's almost there.
0: James is a tremendous director. He really is. And uh, I, I met James. I was at UCLA film school, and you know Matt Reeves, who a good friend of mine from high school, Matt, who just directed the Planet of the Apes movie. Matt was at USC. I'd introduce Matt to to Brian Burke, who you know runs Bad Ro- Robot for JJ, who you went to school with. Oh my gosh, you hear all those sounds? It's us <laughs> dropping, mitten dropping names, and um, hey, yeah,
1: here we are in my living room doing a are. podcast.
0: So uh, so I you know I schlepped down. It's it's like I, I can't. It's like October, I guess it is because it was a Halloween themed thing. So anyway, I schlepped down from UCLA over to Brian's house because he lived near UCLA at the time because he was shooting his student film at USC. And it had something to do with kids on Halloween who were toilet papering the house and the neighborhood and whatever. And I can't even remember what it was. So I slept down a few blocks from the school to, you know, help him shoot some stuff. And here is his very cynical, very upset at Brian's unprofessionalism DP, a colleague of his, James Gray who, you know, was, was just standing around and was just sighing and rolling his eyes, and the whole thing was just not professional up to his standards. It was very funny. And uh, Brian, of course, introduces me, and, uh, you know, you, you, you learn very quickly that James has the driest, most acerbic wit of any human being you will ever get to know. So his movies may seem, like, very dark, but he himself has an amazing wit. And I'll tell you something about James, which is not widely known. Some people have talked about this, but James... The two, the two uh, Looney Tunes shorts that are opera themed, what's Opera Doc and the uh, the Rabbit of Seville, committed to memory. He can sing those at the drop of ha- both of them. He will sing them verbatim, word, bam, like that. If you say uh, Rabbit of Seville, uh, let me t- let me crop your mop, and let me come no up, nah, nah, nah. he just. Right off the top of his head he 's got them down.
1: I cannot wait to moderate a panel with james gray it will and it, ask him to do that
0: it will blow your mind. it gets a standing ovation. It is astonishing how he can do that i it, it just floors me so anyway. I have something astonishing yes, what do you have in my pants oh that 's an old one you know we by uh, old I mean you know what i 'm saying
1: we've waited a while for a um, Sequel to 300. Turns out, uh, no, we, we didn't. Uh, no, we actually didn't. We didn't wait long enough. No, no, I didn't
0: wait. I didn't. I didn't want this movie.
1: 300: uh, Rise of an Empire. This oh. is in uh, 3D Blu-ray. I don't know why they're doing stuff in 3D Blu-ray. It's just such a non-starter. Uh, 3D Blu-ray, regular Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD. Um, you know, I don't know what to say. If you liked uh, the other one, mm. I guess you'll like this one. This one has. Uh, Come on, wait! Do I have to talk about this movie? Come no, on, not watch. really, because no one's going mean, to see it. What am I? Twenty-five years old? It's, it's, it's <laughs> over. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Okay, this is terrible. You know, the cast is fun. You know, Eva Green is interesting because Eva Green has an interesting look because obviously she's gorgeous, but she has that look where she she can look like badass, you know, like he, she is here, yeah. or she has like a funky mouth where she almost looks like she could do like a comedy or almost look ugly. In a film, if she wanted to, she's got an interesting. Face. I mean, she's beautiful, but she has an interesting face. Anyway, what I'm saying is that uh, it's just one big video game and a lot of blood, which I guess is uh, means something to somebody. And uh, it's just terrible. I just I don't like these movies. I didn't like the first one. I don't like this one. Um, I just think if you want a bunch of CGI blood, very highly stylized CGI, I guess you can go for it. But it's just a bunch of men leaping up in the air as they as they unsheathe their swords.
0: So, uh, yeah, it's stupid, whatever. So, Winner's Tale is a movie that got really unfairly maligned. Uh, did you see Winner's Tale?
1: No, I did not. Uh,
0: this is a Blu-ray, DVD, and ultraviolet combo set. Uh, Colin Farrell, Russell Crowe, Jessica Brown Findlay, and I think it's, I think it's sharp. I'm, I'm pretty much loving everything Colin Farrell does these days, and Colin Farrell and Russell Crowe in the same movie to me is like, you know what, if, if I were not a straight man... This would be my movie.
1: No, no, no. The reason why... There, I, I, I will give you um, two words as to why I did not see this movie. Why? Akiva Goldsman.
0: Akiva Goldsman wrote and directed it. Why don't you like Akiva Goldsman?
1: Because you know what? He writes bad movies. He writes Angels and Demons and The Da Vinci Code. And he wrote A Beautiful Mind. Okay, you got to give him that. He also wrote Lost in Space, Practical Magic. He wrote Batman and Robin. But you know he what? Was, he was a big... Uh, tenpole guy. He was like in the mid '90s.
0: But they were; all, those are all for higher gigs. You know, those are for higher gigs. And he's doing his, he's doing, he's just going through the motions. But the, he wrote and directed this based on the uh, the Mark Halperin novel from 1983, and uh, it's his directing debut. And I am I'm, I'm sad that it was a bomb when it was released because it this thing tanked. I mean, it just dropped like a stone, and that's too bad because I really think it's got some cool edges to it uh it's a it's a supernatural romance you know in kind of set in the past and in the present and uh i i I won't go into all of the little ins and outs of it but i I really thought this this had some really nice stuff in it it's just too bad and i'm I'm afraid that it it'll kind of tank his career as well so Anyway, but it bombed, and that's just too bad. Uh-huh. And you know, I gotta tell you, man, I love Denis Villeneuve. I do. I think he's great. I've been on board with this guy forever, all the way back to Maelstrom. You know, his, uh, his uh, he's the French Canadian filmmaker. Did Maelstrom? He did Incendie, which got him an Oscar nomination. Sure, great. And, film. The, and then he, and then just last year, he did the uh, the, the the big Hugh Jackman deal. Uh, yeah, Prisoners. Prisoners. Intense. B- insane, how intense that movie was. And then he turns around with Jake Gyllenhaal, who's also in Prisoners, and does Enemy. And I'm thinking, dude can do no wrong. He, this is, he is just rocking it. And you you watch Enemy and you go, what? Where did... Why did... With the all that you had going with the... Like, what was the What's point What's the thing of, with the guy in the thing? Yeah, I don't understand this. Uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal in this weird, weird dual role. And it's... Uh, I don't know, man. It's... It's very the, the the the. It's very strange. The whole idea of I mean, doppelganger stories typically don't really work. There are very few that ever have.
1: Well, uh, uh, Jesse Eisenberg just did a doppelganger I know, film.
0: I know. I know. And they came out around the same time, both of them. And it's like, really, what's 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 in the zeitgeist now that everybody wants to play their own evil twin in a movie? It's very strange. Uh, anyway, uh, it just. I, I get, I get that actors really want to do that, but it doesn't necessarily work. Very strange thriller. Um, Melanie Laurent is in it, and I, I always love her. I thought she's, she's just, she can do no wrong. But I don't know, man. It just seems like a weird misfire for for these guys. So uh, I had hoped for better, but he'll be all right. Yeah. Anyway. And uh, then we've got, lastly, on the new movie front, uh, the, the one that everyone's been waiting for. I mean, we all have been sitting on pins and needles, even people who didn't want to see 300, uh, Return of an Empire, Raise of an Empire, whatever it's called. I know you're all thinking, I have got to see Wolf Creek 2, right? Huh? Everyone? Anyone? Wolf Creek 2? No? Okay, maybe not. Uh, Wolf Creek, of course, was an Australian film that got a, a bit of a cult following, and uh, now they have felt the need, I guess, to make a gorier, less sensible, more exploitive um, sequel in Wolf Creek Two. And uh, I, I, you know, if you're a horror fan, I'm sure this just scratches every itch you have ever had. But I just, it gets so tiresome to me. So uh, I, I recommend this strictly to people who, uh, who just cannot, who cannot get their fill of the, the Wolf Creek franchise. I'm sure there will be a Wolf Creek 3.
1: Uh, Wade, uh, I'm kind of a fan of Comedy Bang Bang. Now, Comedy Bang Bang is a Comedy Central uh, – sh- actually, it's an IFC show. And um, it is uh, based on a comedy podcast that used to be called Comedy Death Ray. Or comedy Death Ray Radio, I guess it was called. And uh, it was funny stuff. It was Scott Aukerman and a very bizarre comic who I've seen on stage named Reggie Watts. He's African-American. He has this huge afro and beard. And he's got this very strange, bizarre stage presence. Um, But it's funny stuff. And so IFC gave him a show called Comedy Bang Bang. And uh, it's good. It's 20 episodes. It's on DVD, not Blu-ray, unfortunately. 20 episodes. You get a lot of decent uh, guest stars because, again, this show has a comedy it has a cult following within within the comedy community Uh so some of the guest stars include jessica alba and aziz ansari david cross jim gaffigan who i love uh anna kendrick andy richter um uh andy sandberg shows up so it's really good stuff a lot of special features there's commentaries there's deleted scenes so if you like kind of that uh you know ucb Stand-up comedy, not, not, sure. like, not like Groundlings Comedy Store-type comedy. This is way more, a little bit out there, but I like it. Uh, check out Comedy Bang Bang.
0: All right, Mark, I'm going to blow through a, a bunch of uh, British television here and then let you get back to regular TV. I'm going to do this as quickly as I can because we've got a lot of British TV that has accumulated over time. Uh, William Shakespeare, collector's edition. William Shatner, collector's edition? No, William Shakespeare. William Shatner? Well, same thing, Right. We've heard we've we've heard Shatner do "To be or not to be." The best. It's it is, isn't it? it to be or not to be—that is, the question. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> it's just it just doesn't get any better. Uh, now this is William Shakespeare Collector's Edition from PBS, which is a little odd because you think, oh, it's like all of Shake—no, it's not. It it's just Macbeth, basically. Um, it's seven hours on three DVDs. Which includes uh, the, uh, the the previously released Patrick Stewart Macbeth, which I saw on stage on the West End, I should point out, and was amazing. And as good as it is here, obviously, live is so much better. Uh, this also includes In Search of Shakespeare, which was another PBS release, and uh, the complete play of Macbeth, um, and then a gigantic memorabilia collection Shakespeare just Shakespeare stuff, galore, you know little notes and maps and pictures and all this kind of stuff. So uh, really this is a, a big homage to Shakespeare primarily centered around Macbeth and in search of Shakespeare. But uh, it's a nice box set. it's a nice gift so you should definitely you know consider this if you have a somebody who's a fan. it's a, it's a nice gift to give. Uh, Poirot. The uh, Poirot series are are finally making their way slowly onto Blu-ray, and Poirot series 11 and 12 are out, uh, two discs apiece, both from ACORN. These are finally in the original United Kingdom broadcast order, which previous releases were not, and Poirot has been split between you know, like uh, A&E had a lot of these titles for a long time, and there were there were the series, there were the one hours, and then there were the two hour mysteries, and you know, it all got very confusing. And a lot of people were just sort of trying to get their complete Poirot collection, and they ne- never quite could. Um, but what's really nice about this is that you use a lot of these actors that we're now really familiar with uh, that we weren't at the time, but they've been in other shows that are they're you know hugely popular. Now you get to revisit this, and you're like, hey, look at that. There's uh, Jessica, Sta- Jessica Chastain and Hugh Bonneville and uh, I, you know, Eileen Atkins and you know, people who've really gone on to do bigger and better things. That's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so you get these uh, you know, four mysteries apiece uh, on two discs, series 11 and 12 on Blu-ray. And even though this was not a terribly well-shot show, I will say Acorn has done a good job getting these things to look pretty darn good. Uh, really quickly uh, knock out a couple more before I let you do, a, uh, do another thing The Making of a Lady the original UK edition originally aired here on PBS is the uh, adaptation of the Frances Hodgson Burnett novel uh, about a uh, with like all these things it's always about some young Victorian woman whose life is just you know completely messed up and this is exactly the same thing uh, a, a poor young woman and uh, who winds up meeting a a, a, a a young man who shall we say um, uh, has a thing for her, as they often do in these uh, in these uh, in these kinds of uh, sense and sensibility uh, Jane Eyre type deals. Anyway, um, good story. One that I was—I've never read the book. Uh, was not that familiar with the the story in any in any case. But I, I like all of this Victorian literature to begin with, and I thought this was a very very good uh, good rendering of it. Nicely cast. Uh, a lot of people that I hope to see in other movies at some point. Uh, great Blu-ray from PBS. And then uh, also we've got Guy Pearce, who uh, is in the Rover right now, and is freaking awesome in the Rover. Guy Pearce rocks. It's
1: not a dog, right?
0: Oh. You have no idea. Uh, set two of Jack Irish. Guy Pierce is amazing. This is based on the books by Peter Temple. Two discs. And uh, he, uh, you know, Guy Pierce, the more lines he gets in his face, the better he is. So um, really, really good stuff. Uh, this is also on Blu-ray and DVD from Acorn.
1: Uh, Way a little Star Trek for you. We have uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation season six. This is the uh, season uh, 1992-93. By this point, uh, the show is uh, easily one of the best on television, and um, season six is one of its best seasons. I uh, my favorites here are um, uh, what's it called? Tapestry, where uh, Picard dies in an accident, and he has and he goes through the afterlife and analyzes his past choices. I really like that one a lot. Also, uh, Mr. Scott uh, comes back in an episode called Rascals, which I I think it was called Rascals. Uh, it was called something. No, actually, it wasn't called Rascals, but actually, does Mr. Scott come back in this episode? Can't remember. Uh, my memory. Yeah, mem- no, he does. He yeah. does. God, my memory's dying. Um, Mr. Scott comes back in an episode that was pretty terrific, except I thought Mr. Scott should, should have died at the end of it, but he did not. I'm just saying. He should have died at the end of the episode, but he didn't. Mm. Um, anyway, so this is a good uh, season. It does have the uh, Birthright, which is uh, a two-parter with Worf. I don't like any of the Worf stories where you talk about uh, honor and everyone, then the, the lighting is also due. There's like smoke, and everyone talks about honor and purity and, uh, oh, of course and the, 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 the Croc Croc ceremony. I don't like any of that stuff. So forget Birthright, but there are some great episodes, especially Tapestry and also the two-part Chain of Command, uh, which was one of the classic Star Trek 2. Episode arcs that is not only included in the season six Blu ray, um, but it is also broken out into its own separate DVD release, very nice, which is just Star Trek Next Generation Chain of Command. Uh, special features there include an audio commentary by Ronnie Cox, who plays the Cardassian uh, villain who tortures Picard. It's very funny when the show first came out, we thought, Oh, Cardassians, they're a terrible uh, new Star Trek villain. Now in 2014, Cardassians sounds like Kardashian.
0: It's uh, that's the worst. That's not
1: fair. Anyway, so uh, I think this is a good season, one of the best of Star Trek The Next Generation, so I would go ahead and spring for the, um, for the whole season. Of course, what I'm waiting for, and don't know if it's ever going to happen, I'm waiting for, because th- there's only one more season left. The show only lasted seven seasons. I know. So I'm hoping for one big honking Next Generation mega insanity set suitable for display on your blu-ray dvd bookshelf don't know if it's going to happen we have no intelligence on this in fact we have no intelligence generally what i'm saying is once the seventh season comes out i would love to see a big ass honking put them all in like a huge die cast enterprise model stick them all in there It'd be awesome okay but until then season six good I, stuff i got also, you know a couple of the episodes in season six were uh, directed by adam nimoy Leonard's son. Oh, good. Your name is Adam?
0: Your name is daughter Eve? What's up with that, yo? See, that's not. What up, word? That's just not right. Bro? Bro. All right. Uh, you know, some great uh, period mystery here Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, Series 2, uh, based on novels by Kerry Greenwood. This is an Australian series, which is why I included it in British television, because, you know, Australia, Canada, you guys, you're still part of the British Empire, right? You're still part of the Commonwealth. You didn't fight a war, right? So why, why, should, I, why should I, like, what up? Um, no, this is really good stuff. This is uh, Australian television, which is a lot like British television in many respects, and uh, set in the 1920s in Melbourne. And she's sort of like, uh, you know, she's like Miss Marple, except she's young and hot, which tells you where, that the Australians actually have their priorities in a good place. And, uh, you know, the, the pizzazz and the flash of the 1920s, not entirely unlike the rest of the world at that time. Really fun stuff. And what's really nice about period mystery is that you can't rely on, like, a Google search or on forensic, uh, you know, uh, microscope analysis to solve your mystery. It's got to be old-fashioned sleuthing. And that goes a little bit for George Gently as well. Uh, George Jetson? Yes, exactly. George Gently's Series 6... Uh, this, uh, the, the Series 5 ended on a very dark note And uh, six months later After th- that dark note This picks up And uh, you're now in 1969 And uh, all of the turmoil of that period in England Is very much the backdrop of this, uh, this outstanding show Which gets better and better with each successive series And uh, Series 6 is far and away the best series yet of that Mr. Selfridge Season 2 Jeremy Piven uh, At his level best Much better than in anything I've ever seen him in a, The lone American in this Cast of Brits As the American guy who established The the the, the uh, department store Known as Selfridges In London, if you've ever been there, it's amazing I've been there a million times, I never realized It was an American who founded the thing The first season was great uh, The second season is even better Really great stuff and I don't know how much of this is now starting to—they're starting to fictionalize—and how much of it is really based in fact. But it doesn't matter because it's really good. It's well written, and it's maybe a notch below *Downton Abbey*, and that's a, that's already high praise. And then, uh, lastly, uh, on this little batch, we have got *Ripper Street* season two. Uh, this has been a big deal on BBC America in the states, and uh, this, of course, is you know very much in that. Uh, that that uh, Dickensian Victorian uh, uh, the the grit of it, right? The the Jack the Ripper slash uh, Sherlock Holmes era, and um, it uh, this this show has it really kind of pushes the envelope, and it's uh, it's a little bit tough, but uh, I I still really enjoy it. I uh, it's it sort of doesn't go too far, you know, even though it's. Um, it really wants to kind of push your face into. I guess uh, what was the what was the uh, the HBO series uh, Deadwood? It's got a Deadwood kind of vibe to it. Yeah, I love right? Deadwood. Right. This is like this is like Deadwood in, Vic, in the in the muck and the disgusting, nasty, watery, grungy streets of London, of Victorian London. It's got the same kind of a vibe. So Ripper Street, very very good, uh, but just a tad cartoonish, but not too much so. It, it works very nicely. It's got kind of a I guess a, a, a graphic novel vibe to it. So anyway, season two. Fine stuff.
1: Yes, Wade. Uh, Duck Dynasty uh, season six has just premiered. Its numbers are down. Um, it's still uh, it's still a... It's not really a phenomenon anymore. It's just a very, very solidly rated show. The phenomenon days are over. Uh, it's Obviously, it's got to end sometime, and obviously uh, the patriarch of the family uh, didn't do himself any favors with his uh, little rant that went viral on the internet. But anyway... We have on Blu-ray, Duck Dynasty Season 5. This one includes that appearance by Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal. Um, oh, my
0: gosh. Really? Yes, it does. Seriously? Yes, it does. Whatever.
1: Well, come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like I mean, how, I mean, how, what better way to uh, shore up your street cred with that I crowd guess. than going on Duck Dynasty? I
0: guess. Did you, did you see, speaking of, and it's a complete aside, did you see Chris Christie do the, uh, the, 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 the yeah, Father's whatever. Day yeah, Dan- dad dancing thing? He's that- like
1: Rob Ford without the cocaine.
0: No, but but like Michelle Obama went on Jimmy Fallon and from Mother's Day into the evolution of mom dancing, which I'm sorry, I just thought was like, I love Jimmy Fallon, I love all of his shtick, but I was like, oh dude, no, don't do this. Not with the first lady and the whole. It doesn't. This 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 is really not not entertaining and not funny. And then it, and it's like his worst segment of the year. And he goes and he does the the dad version of it with Chris Christie, and I'm just like, why? This you isn't funny.
1: Can I tell you something? Yeah, go ahead. Now, I, TiVo Fallon now. Yeah. Ann Letterman. Let me yeah. tell you something. Fallon, I'm over it. You know why? Hmm. Because his performance has now ossified where he's got himself a thing. And he always does that, does that thing, which includes, A, laughing uproariously at everything the guest says that he's, is even remotely chuckle worthy. He just bowls over laughing. Yeah. Second of all, he is always interrupting his guests. He is never letting his guests get a real story- Complete thought, and he's always interrupting them. So he's not and, a big the habit, and he's basically just a bad interviewer. Yeah. And the thing is, is that at first it seemed kind of charming, kind of that "oh gosh, all shucks" kind of a thing. Yeah. Now it's like you know what, you have just relaxed, throttle back. You've got the job, the shows that hit, you're fine. Don't rem- don't forget what Johnny did. Okay, your guest is the star. If the yeah. guest looks good, you look good. Yeah. You could say nothing, and if the guest kills, you look good. Yeah. Stop interrupting your guests. Okay, so they they don't know when to start their story or stop their story. Okay, stop laughing like what they said is the funniest thing that ever happened in the world. And just be interested in your guess. He just doesn't seem very curious. Oh, wow. And also, they also do the same two or three desk bits every day. Okay, now some are cute. I mean, they're like like pros and cons and thank you notes. Those are good, solid conceits to throw a lot of jokes in. Yeah. Clever, especially thank you notes. I think that's, that, that's always fun, but I mean, come on, more, more, more. Yeah, all right. You know, re, you know, retire old ones, bring in new ones. Don't do the same ones all the time. But um, what I'm saying is that NBC should be very, very happy, and Fallon has just been worked well for them because they didn't need another Conan O'Brien debacle. But what I'm saying is that Fallon uh, needs to expand his his his, his hosting horizons
0: just well, a little right. bit. All right, and then I'm including this, frankly, in, in British television. I'm not going to let you talk about this in regular television just because there's Michael Sheen in it and because I think this is a great new show. Masters of Sex, season one. Have you seen this on Showtime? Can
1: I tell you something about Michael Have Sheen? Have you seen this? Michael Sheen dates the hottest girls. What is the thing with Michael Sheen?
0: I don't know, man. But I'll tell you. Maybe it's this show. Uh, this, is a, this is a super cool period show. Uh, this is about um, uh, Masters and Johnson.
1: You realize who Michael Sheen's go- new girlfriend is? Sarah Silverman. I know. I mean, what, he was married to whatever, Kate Beckinsale, whatever her name was, is, shall be.
0: Kate Beckinsale? Whatever.
1: no, the other one. Uh, uh, who's, who's,
0: who's Kate who's, who's, Blanchett?
1: No, who's the other hot? Uh, Kate Winslet? <laughs> no, he's married to... Uh,
0: Michael Sheen was married to... Uh, Kate
1: Beckinsale. Rachel Mc... Uh, Rachel Mc okay, Kate he was, Beckinsale? He was, he, was. he was hooked up with Kate Beckinsale.
0: Uh, one, one million years ago. Yeah, for like eight years. Well, that was a long time ago. It was before she married. What's his face? The director yeah, did. back Kate
1: Beckinsale. She's a lot. Right. Okay, okay, Rachel McAdams.
0: Yeah, right. Th- I didn't know about that one.
1: Okay, and now Sarah Silverman.
0: Well, so, that guy, and okay. he's not
1: that handsome, but he must be just incredibly charming, or he must have a gigantic. Okay, we'll go somewhere. Wallet.
0: Okay. Uh, anyway, Master, uh, Masters and Johnson, uh, William Masters and Virginia Johnson were, of course, the, the you know, they sort of uh, were, the, the, they did all the huge studies on human sexuality. Anyway, this dramatizes all of that, and uh, it's, uh, it's pretty great. Uh, Michael Sheen and, um, uh, and, and uh, Lizzie uh, Kaplan play Masters and Johnson. And you also get Bo Bridges and a whole lot of other really terrific actors in here. And uh, cast and crew commentaries on the, on the uh, pilot episode, deleted scenes, making of featurettes. It's a lot of fun. It is, uh, it's a really, really good show. Twelve episodes. This is the first season on Showtime. And in just a couple of weeks, about a month time actually, uh, this, uh, this gets rolling again in another season. And I can't frankly wait. I think it's terrific. A uh, couple of other period things from PBS. Murder on the Home Front. Uh, the original UK edition with Patrick Kennedy and Tamsin Merchant in uh, basically all set during World War II. Uh, but looking for murderers in London while the Germans are attacking, and uh, it's it's pretty great. It, it's a really fascinating way of creating a new backdrop for British mystery and British uh, British crime, and uh, somehow they keep coming up with great new shows. I mean, the British crime tradition is one of the best there is, and this is a, this is a pretty sharp show. This is murder on the home front. So uh, definitely check this out. This is this is cool, worthwhile. From PBS. And then uh, Call the Midwife, season three. Uh, I, you know, a, a lot of people have gotten much more into this than I did, but I'm still trying to sort of uh, acclimate myself to it and, and try to love it as much as I love a lot of other shows. Uh, this is, uh, takes place in London, in East London specifically, in the 1950s. And um, it, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's got, I, I like the cast. I'll say that. I like the cast. And then a bunch of Doctor Who's. We've got uh, Doctor Who, The Time of the Doctor, which, uh, you know, uh, suddenly has better costumes than previous Doctor Who's, I will say. Um, Then there's also An Adventure in Space and Tongue, uh, three discs. This uh, features the first Doctor Who adventure ever. And uh, this is... um, Primarily, I would say, for fans. Really, uh, pretty much for, for fans. This is, it, it just, it's just too, in, it's too intensely rooted in the lore. I, I don't know that it's anybody who comes to this fresh is really going to be able to make much sense of it. And then, uh, similarly, from the Patrick Trufton or Trotton years is the enemy of the world, uh, which will make absolutely no sense to anybody who, uh, I mean, it, this is very early Doctor Who. It's 1960s. And uh, it's very raw and very uh, technically inarticulate and, you know, not a lot of money in this. Uh, but I guess, you know, if you've seen a lot of Do- late of Doctor Who and you watch this, you start to realize there is certain continuity and certain ideas. But, man, I, I just I don't understand how the people who are doing Doctor Who right now even keep track of all this stuff.
1: I don't understand Doctor Who at all.
0: I don't know how they keep track of all the rules and what, who's done what. I mean, you, it just you, there are people who are doing this now who weren't even born when there's like, there'd already been like five or seven Doctor Whos and a million changes and all that. that uh, just, you know what, the, 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 what
1: the name of the phone booth is called, what, The Retarded, is that what it's called? The TARDIS. Oh, not, not, not The Retarded? No, stop. Uh, it's just okay. the worst. All right, speaking of the worst, this has got to be the dumbest show ever. Unforgettable, which CBS had actually canceled and then uh, when there was interest in another network to pick it up, they actually changed their mind and renewed it. Uh, It's a summer series starring uh, Poppy Montgomery. She wait. Here's the thing. Yes. She plays a. uh, uh, She's a cop. Wade Uh huh. And she has this uh, uh, this rare condition, where she can remember everything that ever happened to her. Yep. Pick the day. She'll tell you what she wore, who she spoke to, what they said. Right. The only thing she can't remember is what happened when her sister was murdered. Oh gosh. (laughs) Terrible. Oh, so tragic so uh there you go so she uh uh, whatever it's just so bad now it's a summer series Uh, season three is premiering soon and so in anticipation they have released season two on dvd i think the show is ridiculous
0: good deal uh, some other detective stuff that is worth checking out. I'll go through real quickly. Uh, these are, well, from Acorn. Um, most of these are from Acorn, I believe. And then one from BBC. Uh, the complete collection of Father Brown, which is, you know, yet another one of these mystery-serving detectives. This is uh, stars Kenneth Moore, who is a fabulous actor. Main reason to watch it. Season 10 of New Tricks... Uh, which, I- if I need to explain this to you, you're, you've been living on Mars. Uh, this is, you know, obviously already a decade old. And uh, it's about retired cops who, you know, bring their expertise to teach those you new young whippersnappers a thing or two. And a uh, very, very good show. Uh, then there's also Season 9 of Dalziel and Pasco, which uh, this is from BBC. And uh, this is dark and dark and dark and very dark. But uh, somehow the whole Britishness of it overrides the, uh, the you know, seven slash silence of the Lambishness of it. And then Ian Glenn, an actor I've always really liked. And I wish he'd show up in, in more movies again. Uh, Ian Glenn stars in, uh, as Jack Taylor. And this is based, as many of them are, on a series of novels. Ken Bruin wrote the crime novels that this is based on. This is set two. And, uh, you know, again, the reason to watch this is for Ian Glenn Because he is such a fantastic actor He was briefly in uh, uh, Downton Abbey And among many, many other things I want him to be in features He is a great actor, especially in features And especially the way that he's aging So um, he's the reason to watch this as well Uh, This is set two of Jack Taylor And then uh, we also have Republic of Doyle, season one And uh, this is a new show uh, this is a uh, a Canadian show and uh I think it's uh I think it's uh, it should have a fairly long life, I would think. It's uh it's, hopefully this'll be around for a little while. So um the stars uh Alan Hawko and um Sean McGinley, neither of whom I'm all that familiar with, but uh they're good. They're good. So um You know, keep it up, and let's see how the uh, how future shows show up. So that is called the Republic of Doyle. That's the first season, good detective show. Yes, Wade. Oh, yes.
1: Wade, you you, you're saving the best for possibly last.
0: Yeah, hang on. Yeah, hit. Let's let's rock with that one. Wade, let me tell you something. Yes.
1: Wade, there was a show. Yes. It was an awesome show. Yes. It was a little before my time, so I, I only got into it in reruns. For sure. But uh, it was I Spy. Yeah. Now, I Spy uh, was a detective show that was a bit groundbreaking for the time because it co-starred Robert Culp and African-American Bill Cosby.
0: Yes, it now, did. Now,
1: what people uh, have to understand is that this is 1965. Yep. And the idea that an African-American would star on a network, prime time, one hour, big money spy show, unheard of. Mm -hmm. But Robert Culp, God bless him, may he rest in peace, really fought for Cosby to be on this show. It was really Robert Culp. Yep. And Cosby will actually admit this and has talked about this a lot. So thanks to Robert Culp, Bill Cosby wound up with um, uh, the role. They are just the coolest, awesomest, tennis playingest secret agents ever. We have on this 18 disc DVD set, which was Blu ray. DVD set, we have 82 episodes of the show, and uh, it's great. It was on NBC, and it's a whole lot of fun. And it's a little bit some of it's kind of dated since it's all like kind of cold war stuff, but um, you know, it was it's a, it was a fun show, it was a really fun show, I, was, I, very well written. It was it was executive produced by Sheldon Leonard. Now, Sheldon Leonard, of course... Had uh, great, it
0: had that great kind of Saul Bassy title sequence to it yes. as well. You know, fun stuff.
1: Saul Leonard, of course, also produced, uh, you know, uh, Gomer Pyle and Dick Van Dyke show, Andy Griffith show, did a lot of stuff. So um, this is a great show. I Spy, your parents are going to love it. In fact, it's Father's Day. No, actually, Father's Day passed last week. Yeah. Um, so forget that. Uh, a belated Father's Day gift. Yes. Could be. Or a very early Father's Day gift for next year. So you're not father. a father,
0: so you're not keeping track of these things. No, I true. had a very interesting Father's Day. I'll tell you more about it afterwards. God. Anyway. It was your uh, first
1: Father's Day. It was your first Father's Day. No, second. Oh, really? Yeah. Happy, Happy birthday.
0: birthday. No, not really. Okay, and, and then lastly, I just before we, we, we can this show, Mark, I, I, you know, a couple of BBC things just to cover here. Um, when BBC goes ancient... Ancient ish it could go one of two different directions. It could be either chased by dinosaurs, which is the walking with the dino- latest walking with dinosaurs deal. And you know uh, this is this is always this is always fun. The animation's sharp, and these guys really do a great job with their computer animation. It's very, very realistic. It's better than Jurassic Park at this stage. Um, and uh, this is this is fun. you know we get the, we, the return of the velociraptors, and I, I'm good with this. So the chase by dinosaurs. good, scary stuff. Well done. Educational. I don't know what they're thinking. What is up with Atlantis? What is up with this show? Are you familiar with this show? No, I mean it's stupid. It's terrible. BBC well, it has a lot of great shows. This is not one. Well, it is. This is like Cena like and Hercules revisited. I don't understand this. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the, the whole the, the, there's nothing good that comes out of the legend of Atlantis. It was not a good animated film. Um, the, the original movie, Atlantis Lost Kingdom... Which is what nineteen sixty something, late fifties, early sixties, where people—it's like almost like Island of Dr. Moreau set on Atlantis. It was—it's ridiculous. It's like—it's truly one of the worst films ever made. Which is why I keep the DVD to prove to people this thing actually exists. It's ridiculous. Truly ridiculous. Um, You just can't—you can't do this right. And uh, I'm so sorry to see Mark Addy in this because I love Mark Addy, and I was wondering what what had happened to him. And sure enough, um, Mark Addy—here he is. And I get it. It's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be campy. Uh, I get it. But I don't understand why it, it, it's not. It just isn't good. It just isn't good. It's just, it's not good. So, sorry, you guys got to help me out here. I, I, I desperately want to know who came up with this and why this uh, very strange, unusual Odd and unfunny show uh, somehow prevails. Is it, is it going to continue? Do I have to suffer through more of this? I don't know. Anyway, there it is. And, Mark? Yes. Any, 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 any dating escapades that we can go out with that can you share with us, like how, how your life has changed in strange and wonderful ways?
1: No, although I have to admit, I spent all of last week's podcast texting my ex girlfriend.
0: Oh, well, that's. Oh. Well, with on that note.
1: On that note what? We're,
0: I don't know. On that note to I, be I think, yeah, to Hopefully be continued? Yeah, be Hopefully not. We'll, we'll we'll go out on that note.